Um, I'm just going to pray for us. I'm going to be sharing with us tonight. I'm going to be talking about finding times of refreshment. And um, we start off actually starting about Thanksgiving in the beginning. I know that we already had Thanksgiving, and I even have Christmas trees there behind me. Um, but there's always room for leftovers. And so we're going to do Thanksgiving leftovers. And actually, um, really talking about part of this thing is Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. Um, but I want to pray for me. Before we start, and so if you're at home, you can pray for me too. Uh, Lord, bless me, bless this message, bless this time. I pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you would fill us up with your thoughts, your ideas, and your expectations for this season. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, yeah, so I want to talk about finding times refreshing. And actually, uh, the first, we're going to actually be going through Psalm 107, actually quite a bit of Psalm 107 through the scripture. Um, But I want to start off with this verse in Acts 3, 19 through 20. And this is uh, Peter, actually the second message that Peter preached um, after uh, they had raised up a layman. There was a, you know, this crowd of people that gathered around Peter. And so Peter preaches this message of salvation, but he says something that's really interesting that um, has really been a big marker for me about just God's heart and his expectations for us, which is Acts 3, 19 to 20. It says, therefore, repent and return. So repent and return, change your mind, change your direction, return to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So that's the first part, wiping out our sins, forgiving us, that's the big deal, entering back into relationship with Jesus. But then he goes on and says, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And I think this is incredibly powerful because right after he says, hey, I want you guys to come to Jesus, come into this saving relationship with God, he says part of the purpose of this is that he wants us to experience times of refreshing that comes from his presence. And so obviously this wasn't a secondary issue for Peter. It was a really big deal. And when I think about this time, uh, place of being connected with God's presence, I think about um, just the call as a believer to walk with Jesus, to be abiding in him, connected to him. And I was thinking about all the different things that we can talk about, preach about, equip about. And at the heart of it, at the very heart of uh, the life of Christianity, abiding for me is the biggest thing. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. I can give great exegetical studies and a whole bunch of different stuff and and things that we should do and things we want to do and preach about what's happening in the culture and politics and all these things that Christianity touches. But the heart of it is this relationship with God. Because apart from him, apart from abiding in him, There's absolutely nothing we can do that is fruitful for his kingdom. So this thing about abiding, being connected to God is a really big deal. And so actually I want to talk about this through Psalm 107. And I'm actually kind of thankful. Actually, it was amazing. I loved um, Mighty Heidi's prayer that it was filled with thanksgiving. She just kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for redemption. So as we look here at Psalm 107, that is actually one of the themes over and over again through through Psalm 107. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord uh, five different times. Five different times throughout the psalm. So we're going to turn there. If you have a Bible, if you have, I mean, you can look at the screen. It's kind of cheating. Um, But if you got a Bible, I always encourage people to look at it or a phone, whatever you got. But Psalm 107, starting in verse 1, says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And I mean, that's a great starter. Starting off to giving thanks, we can always give thanks to God because he is always good all the time. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in the desert region. They did not find a way 
to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Now this, uh, this is another theme throughout the psalm is crying out to God over and over again. The Israelites got into trouble. They began to lift their voice and cry out to God and God delivers them. Here in the second verse, uh, half of uh, verse 6 here, it says, He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also in a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and his wonder to the Son of Man. So here we go again, over and over again, the psalm encouraging us to give thanks, to give thanks. And actually, one of the principal things, and which Heidi was just doing as she was praying for us, is that we can always give thanks for our salvation, that God has saved us. And I keep coming back to this, and sometimes I have to come back in the midst of whatever life difficulties I'm facing and just remember, I am better off than most of humanity if I just have a relationship with Jesus. I'm way better off. If I just have a relationship with Jesus, and so I can always come back and just be thankful for what he's done and just remember that. And so I found around this place of actually being grateful, and not just this place, but many things in our Christian life, the things that we need most are the things that we feel oftentimes like doing the, the least. So the things that we need most in life oftentimes are the things that we don't feel like doing. And, um, you know, gratitude and thankfulness has actually definitely been on the list of one of those things and actually one of the hardest times and one that to be thankful, but one of the times I need to be thankful more than any other time is when things are challenging. And so, um, and this is still true. This is an area that I've been growing in. It's becoming, again, more of a lifestyle. Um, I hope it isn't just leftovers. It's actually the meal that we eat on a daily and weekly basis. But this, this place of thanksgiving is becoming more and more of a cornerstone of my Christian life because I've found that it brings me back in that place of experiencing God's presence over and over again. It's more than just a spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines are no fun if they don't lead you into a place of an encounter. But spiritual disciplines are the sake of doing something that the moment not, not even feel good. Actually, even the word discipline means to exercise. And when I think about exercise, I don't get super excited. A lot of times when I go out for a run, I'm not super excited about running until after I've run. And I was like, wow, I'm so glad I do that. I'm feeling the adrenaline pump and all that stuff. And then you start seeing the gains. You start feeling better. You're not, you know, winded because you just played 10 minutes of basketball with your kid. So after you've run for a little while, you start experiencing the joy of it. And so oftentimes spiritual disciplines like that and actually giving thanks, I believe is, it doesn't always have to be, but sometimes it's a discipline. And later actually in Psalm 107, verse 22, it says, they shall also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. So here it's actually saying that sometimes thanksgiving is a sacrifice. And so I was in this place recently, I was hanging out with um, Pastor Brent um, and I just want, I want to actually, before I go there, uh, I want to just, Psalm 107, verse 5, I just want to note this. It says, they were hungry and thirsty, you know? And so I actually started digging in to being more grateful and being more thankful, not because I was feeling extremely spiritual, but because I got really hungry and thirsty for not being bummed out, for not being stuck, from not wanting to be disconnected from God's presence. And so I started saying, God, what can we do? And so this is what happens a lot of times when we're in places of trouble. We begin to cry out to God. We start to get really hungry for God. And we're saying, God, how can we do this differently? How can we live differently in this place? And so I was there, and this is actually part of kind of what happened with um, some of the pastors here at VCC as we've kind of dove into some of this life model stuff and the power of gratitude and the power of just camping on a thankful memory. And I found actually that something that's been really helpful is I don't need 500 things to be thankful for. I mean, it's great. If you're thankful for 500 things, that's amazing. And I think it's a good thing to practice. 
but I actually only need one thing to be thankful for. If I just find one thing to be thankful for and I begin to camp around that thankful that moment that I'm grateful for, I found if I hang out there long enough, I begin to reconnect with God's presence and start filling my mind with things that God's doing. And that's a big battle. But, you know, the battle that we rage is really a battle in our mind to be uh, thinking the way that God thinks, to think God thoughts. And so um, if I just start camping around some of these places, I find that in worship too. I'm a big worship guy, obviously, I'm one of our worship leaders. Um, but I found it too for the, through the place of just being thankful. And so I was hanging out with Brent McIntosh probably about three weeks ago, and I was having a bummer day. And I'm um, hanging out with Brent, and Brent is like, um, just, he's just amazing at listening to people's hearts. And so he listened to me, and I was like sharing how, you know, I was bummed out, you know, about this thing that was going on. And then he turns to me and says, well, let's just, why don't we just do a moment of gratitude and thanksgiving? And, oh, everything within me said, I don't want to do this right now. This is the wrong moment. But I knew because this is something that we practice. I'm like, you are pulling out one of your pastor tricks on me. I know it. I know exactly what you're doing. You're using one of your you know, pastoral um, ninja skills right here. And actually, I was shared this before, but, you know, sometimes we um, do this with our wives too, but they know all of our moves, which is kind of dangerous because we'll be doing something. They're like, oh, I know what you're up to. You're trying to, you know, encourage me. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. No. Um, <laughs> so, so Brent was doing this. He's like, Wait, let's just take a moment and like, let's just be grateful and thankful for something. And man, at that moment, everything within me is crying out saying, I don't want to be thankful right now. But I know in those moments, the thing that I don't feel like doing in that moment is the thing that I need to do most. And so we actually started doing that. I just started sharing a moment that I was grateful for and started thanking Jesus for immersing myself in this moment of this good thing that I remembered that God did. And within five minutes of just kind of hanging out, being thankful, praying, like my perspective was so radically changed. I was beginning to sense God's presence, honestly, for the first time over a couple of days. I usually don't get stuck that bad, but I was actually stuck in a place of not really feeling the Lord or just feeling his presence and his touch, that thing that we need for God um, for a couple of days. And I started to feel God's presence begin to warm my heart and everything shifted in that moment. And it just came out because I, I stopped and practiced a moment of Thanksgiving with a friend. And so this thing about Thanksgiving has been extremely transformational in my life as part of my testimonies. Many of you guys know um, that I was a pretty bummed out dude um, until I had uh, two things happen. One thing was an incredible encounter with God, but the second thing was this verse in Thessalonians that changed my life. First uh, Thessalonians 5:16 through 22. Rejoice always, pray without cease, ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Then it goes on, verse 19 says, Do not quench the spirit, do not utterly reject prophecies, but examine everything, hold firmly to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. And so I actually think this Thessalonians verse is really key about how we maintain living a life in the spirit, of staying refreshed on the inside. It starts off with rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks, and it goes on saying, Don't shut down prophecy and hold the things that are good. And so if we talk about not quenching, I want to keep the hose on. You know, I want to keep the hose of the Spirit. I don't want to be cutting that thing off. And I think one of the ways that we keep the hose, the water flowing in our lives, of experiencing God's blessing, of experiencing His refreshing, is this very thing in this verse. Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and everything giving thanks. And then not rejecting the voice of God, not pushing off the works of the Spirit, and then walking in righteousness, doing the things that are good, abstaining from every form of evil. And so... 
This is a this is a lifestyle for me. And again, as we talked about, just um, experiencing God's presence. You know, for feeling anxiety, this is really just I encourage you guys. Philippians four six. We keep coming back to this, but this is so big. There, this is a promise prescription for breaking out of anxiety. Do not do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition or pleading with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And it goes on. The peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God gives us a promise to actually walk out of anxiety in the place of experiencing peace and joy through Philippians 4, uh, 4, 6. In Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courtyards with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So as again, as we're talking about coming into the presence of God, connecting to him, being refreshed, um, I like the P- Passion Translation in this as well. Um, I love reading the Passion Translation. It's just kind of a refresher on the scripture. It says, uh, you can pass through his open gates with a password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. So again, entering into his presence through thankfulness and praise. I'm going to just share a couple more verses here about thanksgiving. It says, say alert with prayer and thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2, devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. And it's incredible how many times the scriptures talk about Praying with Thanksgiving, it's always a package deal. You cannot be a happy, hope-filled prayer person unless you're practicing gratitude. And actually, it bleeds over here into this passage as well in 1 Timothy 2.1. And I'm still wrestling with this scripture. I love the word of God, how it uh, confronts me and challenges me to do things I probably would never do. Uh, when it says, first of all, then I urge that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all the people. So it, li- it lists off these different types of prayers, intercessions, prayers, requests, and thanksgiving be made beha- on behalf of all people, um, for everyone. And it goes on the list and tells us what those kind of people are for kings and for those who are in authority. So leaders. Leaders, it doesn't actually have a little colon here. It doesn't say for the leaders just that you like. It says for all those that are in authority, for all types of men to lift up prayer all the time and to do it with thanksgiving. And I'm still trying to figure out how to bring that into my prayer life for the people that I am not the happiest about. And I'm not going to tell you my list, but everyone I know, you have your own list at home. So going in that place of saying, God, I'm going to find something to be thankful for as I pray for this particular person. I thank you for the plans that you have for them, even that maybe they're not walking in right now. But I thank you that you have plans, God, for this person. And so I'm finding ways to sneak in gratitude and thanksgiving for praying for people that I might not be excited about praying for. And actually, this is just the Jesus uh, prescription. Jesus says to pray for those that persecute you and to bless them. And so this is a part of the package is that Jesus says the people that you're having the most difficult time with are the people that we're supposed to be praying for and actually even being thankful for. Whew. Yeah, so growing in that one. But again, God's design for us is that we'd be hope-filled people. And if we get stuck in those places of negative emotion or negative thoughts and we're not seeing God for who he really is or seeing what God really wants to do, those aren't the kind of prayers. That's not the kind of thinking that I believe that God has for us. And the last thing I want to hit on here, just in the place of thankfulness, it's, it's the thing that God deserves. It's the kind of worship that God deserves. In Revelation 7, 11 through 12, it says, And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their face before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, and power, and might belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
So it comes and lifts off this list, amen, uh, blessing, glory, wisdom, and thanksgiving, honor, power, and might belong to God. And so if we want to be worshiping like worship, uh, heaven is worshiping, thanksgiving is actually such a key part of it. And so it's just really important, you know, and just, um, you know, just even as a dad, you know, there's something that's so powerful when my kids just say thank you. It means so much for me. It moves my heart. And I think sometimes we think that God is like a stoic, non-emotional being, which is the furthest thing from Scripture. The Scripture reveals that God is filled with emotion. He's filled with love and kindness and gentleness and, you know, just, uh, you know, the peace and everything we experience in the presence of God is an extension of who God is. And so one of those things is, is that, you know, when we're thankful, it moves God's heart. It touches him. And so I don't know, just that fact that um, so often there's things that I end up doing just because I know it moves God's heart. I know it just touches him, and it touches the heart of the Father. Oh, sorry, I was getting a little overwhelmed right there. Kind of collected myself back. Um, I want to go on, actually. So I was talking through these first uh, eight verses here. The second thing I want to hit, and the rest of Scripture as I go through Psalm 107 is not going to take uh, this long, but I want to hit these couple of things for just a moment. But the second thing I want to talk about is finding refreshment through remembering uh, God's deliverance and God's testimonies in our lives. And so here's the reality. I mean, you guys know this. We've been experiencing it. That, And actually, Jesus promised it. This is not in my Jesus Promise book that I've been able to find, but in John 16, 33, the second half of the verse, it says, in the world, you will have tribulation. So no matter what, if you live in the world, you've signed up for tribulation, and Jesus says it's going to happen. I wouldn't put it in my Jesus Promise book, but it's actually in there. The second part of the verse is much more encouraging. It says, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So here's the reality. We're going to be facing stuff all the time. We're in a testing sort of time right now, but even if we weren't in this type of testing, we're always going to have some sort of testing. And so how do we continue to walk in courage and fill with the presence of God and having God's perspective in the midst of these things? And one of these things is actually just remembering God's testimonies and God's promises. Actually, um, I love Psalm 34, verse 19. It says, the afflictions of the righteous are many, but, this is a big but in the Bible, it says, but the Lord rescues him from them all. So everything that we face, God has a rescue plan. God has a big rescue plan to get us out of this thing. I'm still, oh yes, the, there's lots of big butts in the Bible. There's a lot of these big transitions that help us in these new places. Um, but God actually delivers from every single thing that we face. And so Paul, remember, this is actually one of Paul's, conf, uh, one of the reasons why Paul had so much confidence in what God was doing. We read it here actually in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. It says, uh, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves. So this is, this is a pretty heavy time. We're talking about challenging circumstances. Paul was in a pretty challenging circumstance. So he goes on and talks about this. That it was, again, burdened excessively beyond, uh, beyond their strength, despising of life. In verse 9 it says, Indeed we have the senses of death within ourselves. But then it goes on and says, So that, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Now I think this is so interesting because, you know, this points me back to the reality that sometimes God allows circumstances in our lives to bring us into new positions. 
He brings us into new places and better places through actually the challenges we're facing. Mike was just praying about it, that God has better things. He has more for us. And one of the mores that we can always count on is the more of God himself in our lives, more of his presence, more of his perspective, more of him. He's always the promise that is sure every single time. And I don't think it ends there, but I think that it always starts there because God wants us to be a people that's thriving on the inside. And so again, going back here in the scripture, who de- uh, verse 10, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us. So it says, Paul says, God has delivered us in the past and he is going to deliver us in the future. And so this is why I keep coming back to testimonies. I remember how many times God has delivered me. You know, and it's, it's so true. Mike's talked about this as well, is that we um, suffer great spiritual amnesia all the time. We forget so easily the things that God's done for us. I forget my own testimony of what God's delivered me from. I have a radical testimony of deliverance. I have a radical things that God saved me from. And even as I look not only at those things, but even the, the smaller things, actually those smaller things can feel like pretty big things. We were fighting for our house refinance for about eight months, and it felt like a full-on war. There's things that we're doing, and it, you know, there's, there's practical application to that. That meant, actually, when we did get through the refi, it meant paying one-third less on a mortgage. So that's a pretty big deal. And But the whole time we're walking through this, this eight-month process, I kept reminding me that, myself of the testimony of how God gave us the house in the first place. And I'm, I'm actually realizing more and more as time goes on that it's really easy to have a kind of, um, we, we kind of re-envision our faith walk, you know, because I forget how it is when we're walking through something. So I remember God's testimony, but I, a lot of times I forget how it felt. That time that we were battling for, you know, buying this new home was just, it was like walking in water all the time. It's like we had this promise from God. You know, it's so easy to look back and say, yeah, I was a mighty believer and I believed it and God was going to do this. But most of the time we were walking out in fear and trembling and just saying, God, please show up, please show up. But there was enough faith, there was a mustard seed to move the mountain. You know, and so I think back about that, even about the weakness of it, because I don't want to take out the weakness part of it, because then it feels like only superheroes can have great faith. And that's usually not how faith works. Usually faith is a process, again, of our weak yes and God coming with his great power. And sometimes we have these moments when we feel incredibly filled with faith, but I found most of the time that's not what it looks like. It looks like continuing just to trust in the Lord just to continue just to trust in the Lord. So Paul, again, comes and says, I know God has delivered me in the past, so he's going to keep delivering me now in the future. And so no matter what our circumstances are, that we can have this confidence that God is going to deliver us through this thing that we're facing. He's going to deliver us from this COVID thing. I don't know how God's going to do it, but he is going to deliver us. God does have a plan for deliverance. He's got a plan for my finances. He's got a plan for your business. He's got a plan for school and education. He's got a plan for all of this stuff to deliver you. And the enemy always wants to try to find a way to disqualify us or to bring us into a place of believing that promise is not for us. And actually, what's interesting is that we look at these promises in the Word of God, they're written circumstances that were way more challenging than we're facing. Paul is writing about, and actually the book of Philippians, we were going through that verse about being anxious for nothing. The book of joy, he wrote from prison in a pit in Philippi. He was in a bad circumstance. Paul writes one of the most powerful epistles 
epistles on being a joy-filled believer in one of the most challenging and difficult circumstances. And so the enemy always wants to try to convince us of the pro- that we're disqualified from the promises of God because they're too hard or, you know, there's something wrong with us or we're too weak or whatever it might be. There's always, or, you know, we messed up too bad, whatever that thing is on the list. But nothing can disqualify us from the promises of God. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We can always trust in his promises. Whew. I don't know. I'd be, I want to clap right now. I don't know. There's nobody in here. There's well, there three people in here. <laughs> but all of his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so you are not disqualified no matter what your circumstance looks like. You haven't messed up bad enough. You're not too weak for the promises of God to be fulfilled in your life. And actually, I remember the time that this became incredibly clear to me was when I was um, coming out. If you guys know my testimony, I believed I was literally living in hell for seven years because of LSD and being demonized and a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And so in the middle of this time, probably about four years in, I was reading through that promise where it says, um, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and the soundness of mind. And I kept looking at that promise and I said, that promise is great for everyone else. But that promise can't be for me. I'm too messed up. And God spoke to me, and it was one of those moments where God confronted me and said, Ryan, there's nothing that disqualifies you from this promise. And something shifted in my heart and said, even though I'm not experiencing this right now, even though I'm not experiencing this place of being free from fear, of experiencing God's love and having a sound mind, this is a promise of God for my life. And God did it. It took a couple years for me to walk it out, so it was something that was consistent for me. But it had to begin in the place that I became convinced that every single promise was true for my life. So that was just a big transition moment for my life. So I want to encourage you guys, that's true for you too. So I'm going to go on here and talk a little bit more through Psalm 107. It says in verse 9, well, let's go back to 8. It says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he is filled with what is good. And I just want to encourage you guys. You know, this has been my history, my testimony, that God always feeds the hungry. My friend says that uh, hunger is actually the skeleton key of the kingdom. It opens every day, door. You can never underestimate the power of spiritual hunger. There are so many things in my Christian life that I actually didn't have someone there to teach me. But I was hungry for God, and some of it, actually a lot of it, was out of my desperation, but God always met me in those places. And so God wants to meet you in those places. Stay hungry. Keep, keep going after God. Keep crying out. Be like the Israelites. You know, even though they ended up in these trouble spots over and over again, five different times it says they cried out to God and that God delivered them. So going on here, it says, in verse 10, it says, There were those who dwelt in darkness and the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spun the counsel of the Most High. So they actually, one of these places, they ended up being in this messy, bad places. They were just making dumb choices. They were not listening to the Lord. They were rebelling against his word. Verse 12, it says, Therefore he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in the trouble, and he saved them out of all the distresses. So here it is again. They're again crying out to God. God delivers. He saves them out of his distresses. Verse 14, it says, He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders as the son of man. For he has shattered the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron asunder. Fools because of the rebellious way and because of their iniquities were afflicted. So here's a second time. 
that so we see throughout this psalm that the, sometimes the Israelites were in trouble because of things that were done to them, and sometimes they were in trouble because of things they were doing themselves. But no matter what way it came from, every single time they decided to turn their hearts to God, God came in with incredible deliverance for them. So it goes on, it says, in verse 18, it says, Their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Verse 19, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word, and he healed them, and delivered for them from all their destructions. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders, the sons of men. And so I love that. God sent forth his word, and he healed them. It just takes one word. It just takes one word from God to change every single circumstance that we're facing in our lives. And I love, this was a long list, and this is actually where we find ourselves often. God delivered these, you know, delivered the Israelites in these places and delivers us. He says, he delivered them out of the distresses. He saved them. He brought them out of darkness. He broke their bands apart. He saved them again. He healed them. He delivered from destructions. Um, he brought them out of their, their distresses. He calmed the storm, actually, here in verse 29 and 30. He, uh, they quiet the storms. Sorry, in verse 30, he says, he guided them into the des- their desired haven, the places that they were trying to get to. God guided them. So over and over again, God delivering, uh, delivering them. And so I love that. This thing about God's heart is that God's heart is always for us as his people. And he will deliver us again and again and again and again, no matter if we did it or if it was done to us. We have this promise of God's deliverance. But one of the things that I, I feel like there's two different uh, places. Actually, I just want to talk about this. So part of the, the refreshment, again, moving into refreshment, the refreshment of running to and remaining, into the, and remaining in the Father's house. So one of the ways that we can stay refreshed is actually just remaining with God, you know, making choices to stay in his presence. And we're, when we're experiencing challenges like the Israelites did, like we do, one of the great temptations is just not to do dumb stuff. It's not to sin. It's not to make choices to do something apart from God. And one of my favorite verses about this and about choosing not to sin, but choosing to go to God, to trust in God, is Psalm 37, 1 through 7. It says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. And if we can just do that one part, if we can trust in the Lord and do what is good, it goes on, it says, Dwell on the land and cultivate or feed upon his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. So after this place of trust in the Lord and doing good is all these promises actually about God fulfilling his promises to you. It says, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. And so part of what the psalm turns me to is not to be looking at the circumstances around me, but to be looking to the Lord. To look towards God, to find him as my delight, to find him as my joy, to keep coming into his presence, and to keep trusting him and doing what is good. So that's the first part. Um, so one thing is, again, we want to stay in the Father's house. We want to stay walking in the Spirit. Because even though God rescues us, there's always consequences for bad decisions. And I don't like bad decisions. I don't like reaping from bad decisions. I don't like making bad decisions. So, you know, there's kind of two different pits we can fall into. One of them is legalism. And actually, I've been going through the book of Galatians, and I love the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is Paul contending for the grace of God in such a beautiful way. And in Galatians uh, 
uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to yoke of slavery. So the, the bondage he's talking about in this verse is talking about the bondage of entering into a performance-based relationship with Jesus where it's not based on what Christ has done for us, but it's based on how we're doing. And so we don't want to do that. Legalism is about the law and about measuring up and saying, I'm performing this well this week for God, and so God must really like me. And we don't want to end up in that place because a performance-based relationship with God is terrible. You can never perform well enough to be pleasing to God. That's why Jesus died for us, so we could have a different kind of relationship, so we could break away from this place of being married to the law, Romans chapter 7, and being married to Christ himself. And so now it's a different kind of relationship. And I love actually this illustration that God gave me a while back where I was, pr- I was spending some time in prayer and I was, um, I didn't know this, but I was actually kind of caught up in this place again of what would technically be legalism. I was uh, trying to live a performance-based life before God and God confronted this area in my life where he said, hey, you still think like I'm measuring you like this measuring stick, like the law. And he said, but I'm actually measuring you like a father would measure his son on a doorpost of a door. I'm marking your growth, not marking how much you measure up. And that, that one little word changed so much for me about how God sees me and how God's looking after my life that he's really concerned just about my growth. He's a loving dad, you know? And so just as a father is and how I'd be with my kids, it's like I'm not expecting my kids to be perfect. I just want my kids to keep growing. I want them to keep growing in their relationships. I want them to keep maturing. So that's God's heart for us. He wants us to keep maturing. And actually, God wants us in places where we're blessed. And it's hard when we're doing dumb things for God to continue to bless us. And he does, because there's grace there too. But again, there's consequences. So part of the two places I think we can fall into is self-righteousness, self-works, trying to do things to please ourselves before God. And the second one is actually going on and just sinning on purpose because we're like, hey, we're in the grace of God, no big deal. So in Galatians 5:13 through 14, it says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word and a statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So staying in the flow of God is actually just walking and walking in the place of refreshment and just walking in the spirit. Continue to yield our lives to Jesus. Continue to trust in him and to practice righteousness and walk out our life like the way that glorifies God. You know, abiding in him, staying connected to him. And then if we actually walk in the spirit, Galatians says, we fulfill all of the law. Walking with God in the Holy Spirit walks out all those righteous things in our relationship with God. And so that, that's what God has for us. And so one of the key points of this for me is that, one, we remain in the Father's house. We continue to trust in him and do the things that are good. The second one is that we run back to the Father's house. Um, and this is, for me, so huge. So the two marks of uh, Christian maturity, one is abiding, walking in Jesus, walking in the Spirit, not departing from that place of being in his presence, experiencing the refreshing of just being with the Lord and communing with him and loving him. And the second one is when we do mess up, because we all mess up and we blow it, is to run back in the Father's house. And I love this. And actually, this saying really impacted me. I was reading this. as popped up on Facebook. Um, It says, religion says, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me. The gospel says, I messed up, I need to call my dad. And so for me, that really captures the Christian life in a big aspect is when we fall short, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter how bad we blew it, 
not to stay in the punishment room, not to stay in that place of trying to fix it, not trying to stay in that place of, of trying to patch it up before God, but actually just repenting, turning back and running back into the Father's house, running back in the place of God's presence. And so if we can do that, if we can do this one thing of saying, I'm in trouble, I'm not going to run away from who God is, I'm going to run straight into the presence of my Father. It will go so far in our Christian life because apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. There's nothing we can do of spiritual consequence. Jesus says, John chapter 15. So we need to come back in this place of abiding, staying out of the the punishment room and going back into the place of communing with the Father. And so I'm going to read through. I just got a couple more verses. I'm Technically, I have five minutes left before I want to land this message. I think I can mostly do it. Um, so going on here, verse 21 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for the wonders of the Son of Man. Let them also offer thanksgiving, uh, sacrifice of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. In verse 23, it says, Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters... They have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep, for he has spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. For they rose up in the heavens, they went down in the depths, their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end when they cried to the Lord in the trouble. And he brought them out of their distress and caused the storm to be still, so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and his wonders to the Son of Man. And I love that this psalm uses this illustration about, you know, it's actually verse 23 about those who do business. So this is a business part of the word of God here. It's saying God's going to help you in the midst of your businesses, you know. And actually for a fisherman, if you were actually one who, whoa, got some uh, connection issues there, um, those that were in, worked in, you know, were fishermen and worked in the sea, um, it was a dangerous trade. It was actually kind of terrifying. They didn't have all the modern GPS, compasses, you know, storms. Oftentimes people were killed at sea. So a lot of times when the Bible talks about the sea, it's talking about things that are scary, things that are fearful, things that are terrifying. So here we have, and I think actually all of us can relate to that, things that have been kind of scary, things that have been touching our business life, things that have been touching our work life. But we have this promise again that says they lifted up their voice, God calmed the storm, and he brought them to their desired haven. So just as Mike was praying this for our businesses, that God has a plan to direct us in this time to deliver us from what we're experiencing. You know, And I've seen this in that over and over again. I have friends right now who their business is is doing better than it's ever done before. And honestly, in the past, when I've seen people doing really really well in different areas, um, there's been a temptation to say, why not me, God? But there's been something that um, we've been sowing into a lot of times the church community, which is really that their testimony is my testimony. What God has done for them, God's going to do for me. And so I have been finding a great joy, actually the greatest joy I've experienced in my life in rejoicing what God is doing for other people. And actually, it's been a weird thing because sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm just happy for them. It's not even that God's going to do it for me. I believe he will because he's good. And if he's good to him, he's you know, good to them, he's going to be good to me. But really just experiencing the joy of being together with someone who's experiencing a blessing. And so again, a lot of times we start off in these places where it's like a muscle and it's hard to exercise. It's a little bit painful to rejoice when someone else is being blessed. 
But the more we do it, the better it gets until it becomes actually just our normal. This is our normal setting. This is how we do things. This is how we walk things out. So I've been doing that, and I've actually been watching. Um, I just uh, There's just been some great testimonies of just people's businesses thriving. I have a pastor friend of mine who just got a huge like spiritual promotion. God just did this incredible, incredible, amazing thing, just released so much favor over his life and really answered a whole bunch of prayers that we've been praying for a long time. And it was just an incredible thing to watch. And I'm just sitting there going, God, thank you so much for doing this thing. Thank you. And, and this is part of actually being connected to a body is that that whole thing, when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. But when one party rejoices, we all rejoice. We really are connected. And actually, I love how Paul talks about this in Corinthians. We are way more connected than we can ever imagine. We are so, it, it is so true. When someone is suffering, even the bo- someone in the body of Christ across the other side of the world, when they're suffering, you know, we actually suffer with them. We are so connected. But it's even more so when we are with a group of people together and experiencing something together. We get to experience both the lows and the highs together. But when we experience the lows and we watch God break through, it's an incredible thing to experience the rejoicing and the highs together. And so I've just um, had the joy of experiencing that with some of my friends. And so I want to go on here just a little bit more. Verse 31, again, says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders of the sons of men. Let them extol him and the congregation of the people and praise him in the seat of the elders. He changes rivers into wildernesses and springs of water into a thirsty ground. Ooh. So this is going the wrong way, actually. Uh, this feels like it's going the wrong way. Verse 34, A fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. So there was something happening in the land because of bad people. It actually doesn't say because of God's people. It said because of bad people, because of people who are doing wicked things. And it says, but then it goes on in verse 35. And it says, he changes a wilderness into a pool of water and a dry land into springs of water. And there he makes the hungry to dwell so that they may establish an inhabited city and sow fields and plant vineyards and gather a fruitful harvest. And he blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. Not letting the cattle decrease means cash. Cattles were cash. Cattles were food. You know, so I love, I really feel like this is a promise for right now in the season that even though there's things going on around us and possibly because of other pe- what other people have done, if, regardless of what it is, a promise that God wants to us as his people to flourish even when there's wilderness and famine going on around us. And so as just as we're landing, one of my favorite stories about this, so that whenever I think about this, is the story of Joseph, how God continued to cause Joseph to flourish when things were incredibly testing. And so you look at all of the, uh, Joseph's story, and I just want to hit this last part. When Joseph, um, there's an incredible thing, actually. Um, one is that God just fed Joseph in a way. He gave him the wisdom to touch a whole nation, that touch the people around him, to touch his own very family um, in a place where there was a lot of trouble, where there's a, a dryness. And you know, and I was actually, this is something that just from the practical, I, I'm, I'm learning to break things down into smaller and smaller pieces in my life. I'm just learning, you know, I want to impact nations. You know, we have these things in our heart where I want to like, you know, you want to change the world, or you want to change your whole city, or you want to change your whole workplace. And I think those are great passions. But But recently I've been coming back and saying, I just want to change my neighborhood. I just want to change my family. You know, I just want to start with the people that are most around me because those are some of the most important relationships. And so uh, this last week I started prayer walking my neighborhood, just looking for opportunities to bring 
not only to experience refreshment, to, but to bring refreshment to others because there's a lot of people who are experiencing a lot of need. And so if I can demonstrate the life of Jesus right now, there's just incredible opportunity. The whole saying that life's disappointments are God's appointments. God has divine appointments for the church in this season and this time if we're willing to look for it. If we can stay connected to them, if we can stay in God's perspective, God has appointments for us in this season. So I went out for a walk, just prayer walking my neighborhood. Just, just open to have a conversation with somebody. And so my neighbor happened to be up front and I stopped and I just started talking to them. And within a couple minutes, it wasn't just him. Uh, it was like three of, more of my neighbors and we were all just hanging out. And like within a, like probably 10 minutes, I found out a whole bunch of stuff about their lives that some of them were dealing with cancer I didn't even know about. I mean, they were just sharing all these different details of things that were going on. And so I just had an opportunity to be Jesus to them. And actually most people in my neighborhood already know I'm a pastor, so that kind of makes it um, easy. On the other hand, there's a little bit of pressure along those lines. Um, But just being a normal person to them and being a loving person and being kind to them and saying, hey, if you need something, I'm here for you. I'd love to pray for you. And actually I I did get an opportunity, you know, to pray for my pastor, uh, pray for the people in my neighborhood, not my pastor. I do pray for my pastor, but pray for the people around me in my neighborhood. And it was such a wonderful God moment. Because I just believe that God wanted to bring something that was refreshing to those around me. And so Joseph not only did this for the whole land of Egypt, he not only did that for his personal family, but I love what happened that that Joseph was able to come out of this thing and he names his kids two things. I'm going to be land on this, but he names his kids Manasseh and Ephraim. So uh, Manasseh means making to forget, for he, for he said, God has made me forget my toil in my father's house. So he names his first, his first uh, son after saying, God has really helped me to forget all the pain that I've gone through. He's helped brought me into a different place. He's, and actually, I think he was able to do that because he saw the redemption of God in the midst of the thing that he was being challenged by. But his second son, Ephraim, actually literally means double fruitfulness. So his second son uh, said, in a good, double fruitfulness, for God has made him fruitful in the land of his affliction. And so just as we're landing, I believe this is what God has for us right now. God wants to make us fruitful in the land of our affliction. As we continue to connect with God, as we continue to walk with God, as we continue to um, practice these things of like, for some of us, you know, we're, uh, even for those of us that are online, we have a lot of opportunities to practice some of these things. You know, we're not quite as connected in community because it's just not available for us much. As right. And actually, we as a church are working on more ways that we can connect with one another. But in the meantime, we can spend time doing these things. Like we can begin just, again, by going home or being at home right now and just practicing being grateful for one thing. And I just want to encourage you guys that God really wants to connect with you in this season and this time. And that this has been actually, wow, even just thinking about Joseph, Joseph, you know, one of the things that they talk about Joseph is that Joseph was a dreamer. And I have seen God, God has been releasing more dreams in the season from people around me. I actually haven't had many dreams, but the people around me have been having dreams like crazy. And actually God has been speaking to my heart in a way that I haven't heard from him probably in 10 plus years, you know? So in this time where there's been some need, where I'm experiencing some famine, some dryness, some wilderness, some testing, because I'm in it with you guys, we're all experiencing some testing is that the voice of God has been so powerful in my life. 
And again, you know, it's not happening every day, but it's been happening three times a week or a couple times a week having this really powerful place of encountering God's presence. And so God is like this. It's that, it's that same principle that we see in the word of God when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That whenever the enemy sends trouble, God sends a greater measure of help because the one is for us is always greater than the one against us. So we should have high expectation of God doing great things in our life in this season. So I just want to pray for you guys right now, kind of as we close up. I pray, Jesus, that you would just come and uh, refresh us, bring us in that place of experiencing your refreshment, not only experiencing the refreshment for us, but pouring out the refreshment through us to those around us, God. And so I just pray that in the places where we're feeling discouraged, that you would release your encouragement, God, that you'd help us to connect with the heart of a father that pursues us, runs after us, and just loves us so radically. And we just thank you, Lord, that you are the God who has delivered us and the God who will always deliver us. And so, Lord, we just thank you for deliverance. And I just pray any person that needs to experience that, any person needs to experience deliverance in their physical bodies right now, anyone who needs to experience deliverance in their finances, anyone who needs to experience deliverance in any area of their lives, in a family situation, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, according to your promises, God, that you would release your deliverance and your freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Again, if you want to join us, you can come tomorrow morning. We'll be in the tent. Love to see you guys then.